Welcome to my podcast A Grain of Salt. I'm your host LB James. Today's podcast is about the Ukrainian border crisis. With Russia's buildup on the Ukrainian border, tensions are rising. Somebody set me straight on this. If Russian troops are in Russia, then aren't Russian troops on the Russian border? They would be on the Ukrainian border if Russian troops were in the Ukraine. Right? On with the podcast. Is Ukrainian sovereignty more important than American sovereignty? Our borders must be inviolate, that our sovereignty must be respected, Ukrainians, not Americas. Jonathan Finer, the President Joe Biden administration's deputy national security advisor, said. Quote because it is a very fundamental principle of all nations, which is that our borders must be inviolate, that our sovereignty must be respected. Unquote. The problem being that he was talking about the Ukrainian border, not ours, which has seen record illegal crossings under Biden. The comments from Biden's deputy national security adviser and vice president come as statistics show the United States suffered the worst December border numbers in the Department of Homeland Security history. According to CBP statistics, 178,840 illegal immigrants were apprehended at the border in December, breaking the previous DHS record for that month of more than 100,000. Why are top Biden administration officials oblivious to U.S. borders but vocal in their defense of Ukraine? Why is the border of an Eastern European country inviolate while those of America are open? These are good questions and I believe it has to do with the continuation of the military-industrial complex. In February 1991 with the collapse of the Warsaw Pact and the dissolution of the Soviet Union in the December, this removed the de facto main adversaries of NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. This began a drawdown of military spending and equipment which meant the eventual dissolution of the military-industrial complex. In the 1990s, NATO extended its activities into political and humanitarian situations. The breakup of Yugoslavia was just what the pussified NATO needed in order to conduct military interventions in Bosnia from 1992 to 1995 and later Yugoslavia in 1999. These conflicts motivated a major post-Cold War military restructuring, NATO and its lapdog the military-industrial complex was back. Russia has long resisted Ukraine's move towards European institutions, not zero, in particular for legitimate reasons. Its core demand is for the West to guarantee Ukraine will not join NATO, a defensive alliance of 30 countries. Let's hold on to that thought for a moment as we examine a brief historical and cultural ties between the two countries. Ukraine shares borders with both the European Union and the Russian Federation but as a former Soviet Republic it has deep social and cultural ties with Russia, and Russian is widely spoken there. According to Russian leadership, including President Putin, Ukraine is not a country in its own right, but viewed as a historical part of Russia. What is Ukraine then? In his March 18, 2014 speech marking the annexation of Crimea, Putin declared that Russians and Ukrainians are one people. Kiev is the mother of Russian cities. Ancient Rus is our common source and we cannot live without each other. Similarly, Russia's then Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev told a perplexed operatchik in April 2016 that there has been no state in Ukraine, neither before nor after the 2014 crisis. 
When Ukrainians deposed their pro-Russian president Viktor Yanukovych in early 2014, Russian annexed Ukraine's southern Crimean Peninsula and backed separatists who captured large swaths of eastern Ukraine. What does Russia want from NATO? For us it's absolutely mandatory to ensure Ukraine never, ever becomes a member of NATO, said Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Ryabkov. The Russian Federation demands no more eastward expansion and an end to NATO military activity in Eastern Europe. That would mean combat units being pulled out of Poland and the Baltic Republics of Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, and no missiles deployed in countries such as Poland and Romania. In President Putin's eyes, the West promised back in 1990 that NATO would expand quote not an inch to the east unquote but did so anyway. NATO expansion continued throughout the 90s with Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, Slovenia, Croatia, Montenegro, Albania, North Macedonia, and Bulgaria nearly completing a wall around the Russian Federation's western border. Ukraine's membership of the EU and NATO would complete that wall. This wall of allied countries would restrict Russia's access to the Black Sea, hence the importance of Crimea. The Russian government was concerned that Russia was being refenced by potentially hostile powers. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky's tweet that NATO leaders had confirmed it would become a member didn't help matters much. NATO's Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg made clear no such action was imminent. Stoltenberg's remarks came a day after Biden refused to give a yes or no to Ukraine joining NATO. Biden did say during a press conference that the United States and other NATO allies affirmed support for Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. Biden went on to say it would depend on Ukraine's anti-corruption activities and its implementation of NATO's criteria to get to the membership action plan. Quote and so it's, you know, schools out on the question. It remains to be seen, Biden said, adding, it will not just depend on me whether or not we conclude that Ukraine can become part of NATO. It will depend on the alliance and how they vote. Unquote. It appears the United States is more worried about Ukraine's border than Ukraine is. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said late on Monday that the situation is under control and there's no reason to panic although the Ukrainian government has acknowledged the threat from Russia is real. Ukrainian Defense Minister Oleksiy Reznikov said, as of Monday, Russia's armed forces had not formed what he called battle groups, which would have indicated that tomorrow they would launch an offensive. Quote, there are risky scenarios. They're possible and probable in the future, he told Ukraine's ICTV channel on Monday. But as of today, such a threat doesn't exist. Unquote. Oleksiy Danilov, the Secretary of Ukraine's National Security and Defense Council, echoed that sentiment, saying, As of today, we don't see any grounds for statements about a full-scale offensive on our country. But, it doesn't matter what the Ukrainians think about the security of their country. America and more specifically the Democrats know best what's good for them. The Democrats in the House of Representatives are planning to expedite a massive bill that would dramatically increase U.S. security assistance to Ukraine and lay the groundwork for substantial new sanctions on Russia. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Democrat California told members on a caucus call that she's looking to skip marking up the bill and move it straight to the House floor, 
setting up the possibility of a vote as soon as early next week, two congressional sources told The Intercept. House Foreign Affairs Committee Chair Gregory Meeks, Democrat New York, has introduced legislation, which has 13 co-sponsors, as a companion measure to the Senate's Defending Ukraine Sovereignty Act proposed earlier this month. The Senate bill, introduced by Foreign Relations Committee Chair Bob Menendez, Democrat New Jersey, boasts 41 Democratic co-sponsors, including Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat New York, Whip Dick Durbin, Democrat Illinois, and progressives Chris Murphy, Democrat Connecticut, and Jeff Merkley, Democrat Oregon. Not to be outdone by the Democrats, the Republicans have offered their own measures. Earlier this month in the House, Rep. Michael McCall, Republican Texas, the lead Republican on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, introduced the Guaranteeing Ukrainian Autonomy by Reinforcing Its Defense Act a companion bill to a measure sponsored by Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chair Jim Risch, Republican Idaho. The bill would give Ukraine $450 million from the State Department's FMF account and impose sanctions related to the Nord Stream 2 project immediately, without waiting for an escalation as in the Democrats' bill. When both the left and the right agree on bills and legislation, a war is on the horizon. War is the only thing I can think of which always gets bipartisan support. Thanks for reading A Grain of Salt. Subscribe for free to receive new posts and support independent journalists such as myself.